Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Irish podcast. It's Misha, Neil, O'Shea. In today's podcast, I'd like to share with you a Q&A session that myself and my colleague Ben did back in December on the topic of your greatest Irish learning challenges. So this was a live session we did on YouTube and Facebook. So you can go check that out on, on video if you prefer. And we discussed several questions from our members, from our community, about the difficulties of learning Irish and how we can overcome those difficulties. Of course, at Bite Size Irish, we are all about overcoming those difficulties, whether they're linguistic or logistical or psychological. So if you're feeling ready to join us on your Irish learning journey, why not avail of our special discount for podcast listeners? You can get 10% off monthly or annual membership of Bite Size Irish, where you'll have access to our self-study courses, our online community, and our live calls such as Bio and Cugger Mugger. There's no long-term contract and we have a 30-day money-back guarantee, so just pop over to offer.irish to sign up now. That's offer.irish to get our exclusive podcast listeners discount. And for a wee taster of what we offer, let's listen to Ben and myself answering member questions on their greatest Irish learning challenges. So we start with Dennis. Um, thank you, Dennis. And Dennis says his main challenge in learning is understanding um, Irish speakers. So vagaries in pronunciation, speed of speech, and a fear on Dennis's part of coming off as a dolt in terms of um, not wanting, let's say, to ask people to speak Nismwile, no Irish, so more slowly or to repeat themselves. So, what advice do you have there, Anil? Well, there's a few things, of course, but I suppose number one is that you're not coming off as adult if you're a learner and you don't understand everything immediately, of course. And people don't, aren't so judgmental either, really. So asking someone to speak more slowly or to, to, to repeat um, is fine, really. And I don't think anyone's ever put out by that, really. Um, so that's 100%. Um, okay. Um, of course, we, we all have that anxiety, don't we? Um, with the language, certainly, but also with other things about starting out at, at skill, something new when you're not as good as the other people. We'd all have imposter syndrome or something, or am I really right for this? Will I ever be able to do it? All of those little voices. Um, so I know it well myself, don't worry. But um, uh, we, we shouldn't let that stop us. Um, from from taking part there's there's always a little bit of fear anxiety but the people you were talking to i don't think they would be um put out or anything if you if you ask them to repeat or to speak more slowly so that's number one yeah you you would agree with that ben absolutely yeah and it's good to maybe try and put yourself in their shoes and think about yeah somebody who's come Let's say not even from a European country. Somebody maybe has come from, you know, well, it doesn't really matter where. But somebody is obviously doing their best to learn uh, whatever language you speak, English, for example. You can see they're doing their best. You can see that their ability has its limitations, but you're not going to you know, dismiss them or get frustrated. You'd be encouraging. Well, I hope you would be anyway. <laughs> I think they are because... Maybe even more so with Irish, because anyone that you'll hear speak in Irish has a real gra for the changa. They're someone who loves the language, mm. usually, I think nearly always. So mm. if you're trying, if you're having a go, they'll love that too, and they'll be so impressed, and they'll want to help you. So mm -hmm. that's that's the first point there I wanted to say to that one. Um, 
Well, as well as that, as as Dennis said, you know, listening to confident speakers is not necessarily easy. You know, um, it, it always feels like with a language you don't know, it feels like they speak so fast, you know. But I think that's always just a factor of how well you know a language. When you know a language well, it doesn't sound fast anymore. It's my theory anyway. Mm-hmm. And of course, Dennis mentioned pronunciation can vary from place to place and you know, there's just a local accent and dialect and all of these things coming in. We don't all speak in the same one way, just like we don't in English, just as Ben and I are not right now. Um, but it's still the same language and we can understand. But for the beginner, for, for the starter and people at the earlier stages, that's quite challenging. And, um, you know, I, I remember people giving advice saying like, oh, just listen to Radio Nagartakta, just listen to Radio Nagartakta, as if it was the easiest thing on earth. But Radio Nagartakta is a, a radio station for Gaeltak people. It's not designed for learners at all. So mm-hmm. it is not really set up for that, but it's a fantastic resource. And still stick it on, you'll get something from it. Um, so part of it, it's about knowing uh, your level as well. So when you're practicing, practicing at your level, and Gamaleshko, um, sorry, um, um, yeah. So practicing at your level and and getting lots of listening practice because um, yeah, we we do pronounce words slightly differently from place to place. We just need to get used to that the way we're used to it in English, let's say. Ben is from Kerry, I'm from Tyrone, opposite ends of Ireland. And then there's so many other English accents around the world. We know each other because we, uh, or, sorry, we understand each other because we practice, we listen to other accents and we, um, we're familiar with that. So that's uh, one of the other things that we could do, um, more listening practice. Um, so whether it's just uh, using your, your course materials at home, like some of Bite Size Irish materials, we have a lot of audio recorded there that's unique. Um, radio, as I mentioned, or podcasts. And uh, of course, the TV as well. Often the visual element is really helpful, I find, because uh, a lot of communication is visible. It's, it's um, a lot, uh, it's a bit harder to talk on the telephone in a second language because you can't mm-hmm. see the person, you know. So TV is great for that too. TG Kahar and other, you know, other video sources, social media, and in person if you can. So the more chances you get to listen to Irish speakers and understand them, the better. So that could be practice from your books, from real life, or from other sources in the media. Very good. got the nail. So yeah, we have and resources that we come back to time and again that it's good to remember are at hand um, tangan.ie you have four different dictionaries there um, and um, folklore.ie is the most recent English Irish dictionary and they both have pretty good pronunciation guides as well um, particularly for nouns and then in all of the dialects and audio files to listen to as well of course Indeed, yeah. And then fulmina.ie and dabra.ie, again, are pronunciation guides to very different types. Really, one is synthetic and one is a database of uh, recordings of speakers from the uh, three areas where the major dialects are spoken. And then, of course, as Neil was saying, um, we have bite-sized Irish as well. We have The sound element is a strong element of the, the platform as a whole. So, Burma got the nail. Thanks for that. So, um, Dennis was talking about understanding. And then the next question that we have is about um, really finding the opportunity um, to have actual conversations in Irish. So, these are two separate questions or two separate um, sort of messages that came in from two different people, Peggy and Faye. But essentially, the theme is the same um, asking, how can I practice actual conversation in Irish? I have trouble understanding spoken Irish and being um, able to respond quickly. Yeah, so this, this is obviously relevant to Dennis's question as well, really. It's mm. continuing on. 
Um, so I suppose the biggest issue for a lot of people at first, um, even if you're in Ireland, and a lot of Irish learners are not, but even in Ireland, people have that question of who can I practice with? So it's a an eternal question, but there are people out there, there are ways to make that happen. Um, so that's the first step, I think, is to, to find some people to practice with. Um, of course, in Bite Size Irish, we have a community, Pubble, we have an online community where people meet up um, on the message board. But we also have those live sessions, Bio, where mm -hmm. people are actually practicing together um, through video calls. But other things as well, you know, pop-up Gaeltachts are just um, um, meetups where people speak Irish together and there's other... Um, if you're around the world in Irish centres or cultural centres like that, there could be um, uh, other events like that too. And, you know, very often there's going to be other people just like you who need somebody to practice with. So if you've got somebody, if you're in Cincinnati or somewhere, you might meet one or two other people in your city who um, who would also like to do that. So you can make a little group together and practice with. Mm. Um, so that's the first thing, of course, is, is finding some people, finding a little tribe, of course. Yeah, and, and I mean, on that, on that, yeah, Sorry, on that like, in, in most um, large cities abroad, um, you'll find that there's a Facebook group for, you know, Irish in Lisbon, Irish in Paris, Irish in Brussels, or whatever it has to be. We and invariably, if you get stuck in there and have a look down through it, you'll find that there's an Irish language group in, in some pub in the city. And so if you have a look on Facebook, that's a good place to start. Sorry, Neil. Yeah, no, no, that's that's a great that's a great tip. There are Irish people in every country, in every major city, and, um, um, you know, quite often some of them, they would, especially when you leave home as well, you start listening to more traditional music and you start <laughs> finding your graph for the old, for the old country in the old ways. Um, and, uh, but, you know, uh, social media and online groups as well, uh, even if you are really remote or if you have access issues and can't travel to these big events. Um, so how can I practice actual conversation with people? Hundred um, percent. Oh well, I often say you can practice with the dog if you repeat your lines, but really, <laughs> with people, with people. Um, so when it comes to practice, um, sometimes I think people get a bit lost because they feel like they're thrown into a situation and it's sink or swim, you know. But it's not sink or swim, really. We're going to paddle by the edges in in the <laughs> where where the water's shallow, and we'll have rubber armbands and everything like that. Um, so when it comes to practice, before you go to the more difficult, really open conversations where people could talk about anything, it's important to do controlled practice. So, for example, sticking to a script where you're reading a script and you can adapt it, change the words to suit your life, of course. Um, so this is what we use in Bite Size Bio. Ben is developing and looking after our scripts there and running Bite Size Bio. Um, or also just sticking to a familiar topic at first. Of course, the introducing yourself topic, the, those familiar questions about who you are, where you're from, uh, what you do, and describing yourself and your family. That's the most important stuff we all like to talk about. And it's certainly the first thing we all want to talk about before we get on to uh, your favorite ballet or <laughs> other, other kind of uh, more obscure opinions. But... Um, yeah, so controlled practice where you know what the other people and yourself will be talking about. And nothing's going to come out of left field. Even the it could be controlled, not just in terms of topic, but in terms of grammar, in terms of level. So you don't need to worry that somebody will say something very difficult or you have to bust out some very tough advanced grammar. So that kind of controlled practice at first is good because you can get confident with that. And the thing is, if you feel like I know how to say this, you still probably need to practice it because you want it to feel natural and you want it to feel really comfortable, like an old pair of slippers, you know, you just... Because when we chat in English, or if you're Leafa and you chat in Irish, you don't really think about what you're saying. It just sort of comes out naturally like that. And it's not any effort. So 
we want those familiar topics to be so familiar, you know, like an old pair of slippers like that. Beloved, mm-hmm. of course, beloved, mm-hmm. but very comfortable and um, uh, they just feel like part of your body, I suppose. Um, so the controlled practice is really important. So you're so comfortable in that. And then when you're comfortable, you're feeling ready to push out and do something extra. Yeah, so I suppose with that um, part of the challenge there, what you want to be trying to do is to find somebody who is at roughly the same level as you. Because sometimes these Kirko Kora can become a thing where somebody who is fully fluent is almost like a teacher. And, you know, it becomes a little bit more like a lesson than a conversation. But if you're working with somebody who's the same um, level as you or a little bit more advanced, um, you can learn a lot from them um, if they're happy to cover that material again, which they probably will be because they're still, um, still, uh, like you say, about the old pair of slippers, you know, happy to, to be practicing that. But you can get some good tips on pronunciation from people who are just maybe a step above you there as well um so that's yeah that's that's something to bear in mind if you can find somebody who's at red roughly the same level as you there so then and uh, what do you do next after you've broken in slippers where do you go from there neil i think my metaphor might fall apart <laughs> you put on your new pair of shoes <laughs> put on your socks <laughs> um so we talked about the controlled practice where you know what's going to come up um but if you want to be more natural and to really know language, we need to expand from that point. Now, rather than just throwing you into a political debate, we take the, those early things that you have and you can vary them, change some details. You could take on the role of a character and say, well, instead of where do I live and what do I do, think about um, a famous person. What does Bob Dylan or David Beckham, where do they live? What do they do? And so on. Um, just apply the things you can say about yourself to other people. You'll have grammar that you're practicing there because instead of I, 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 it might be he or she or they. And uh, there'll be vocab that you're practicing because they have different details, different job title to you possibly. Um, and uh, so you're expanding slowly there, but it's still a lot of familiar stuff uh, in that area, you know, instead of, I live in Dublin. It could be Tashe in London. He lives in London. Tashid Inagoni Sanastrail. They live in Australia. So the whole structure is the same, but these little variations means I'm getting a lot of practice for other things. And then if somebody throws a question at me later about where they live, oh, I've actually practiced that. Tashid Inagoni. You know, instead of only practicing Tame and Mahoni. So expanding from the that 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 core of what you do know and varying things, adding a little bit more as you go. Absolutely. So remember, children, you may bore people if you only talk about yourself. So. There's a lot of nice party <laughs> games, aren't there? Like uh, you know, guess who I am, twenty questions, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So you, you can do that, you know. Mm-hmm. take on play a game with your friends you know i've got a famous person in mind you'll describe their life and they have to guess who it is so you're having a bit of crack yeah. too on the ball. On the ball. and then of course at the end of the day there are no quick fixes so just doing a little bit every day that's it so yeah. you got law. that's our motto at bite size and it's uh yeah, and I think you just find slowly that it comes together and you add a little bit as you go. And then sometimes people hit a point where you think, oh, I just said that. And a few months ago, I, I would have had no idea how to express this in Irish. So it comes over time. Um, mm-hmm. So again, folks, just a reminder that um, we're live on YouTube and on Facebook here. Agus Tafaljarov, Keshtina Kharkhuin, Masmalev. The theme tonight is your greatest learning challenges. So any um, and every question on that uh, topic is welcome. 
and we keep an eye on the, the comments bar. So we have a few questions that came in earlier. So we just move on to the next one there. Um, Neil, and this is from Sean Johnson. So this relates to um, conversing with native Irish and other speakers in person or online and the challenges that that may present for Sean. So again, a similar theme here. Yeah, well, um, I suppose by seeing native Irish, I almost feel like Sean's talking about the next level up from what we just said before. But it's the same thing, isn't it? Um, yeah, there are, you know, when you're chatting to people, uh, if you're not confident, it'll feel hard, but we can get around that. People are nice and people are happy to help, generally. Um, um, but, uh, you know, again, as uh, speaking, you're kind of performing in front of people. So it's different to just looking through the book and answering some questions, for example. So you're, you're on the spot, really, aren't you? And sometimes when people turn to you and say, hello, how are you in Irish? You might just go blank. Even if you've said it a hundred times in class, in, the, in that moment, you might uh, freeze a little bit. Hmm. So it can be a bit daunting. And uh, when something is as big as that, it makes sense to, to break it down to make it bite-sized, you might say. So again, uh, like before, we mentioned controlled practice and uh, also free practice as well when you get to that um, more advanced level. So, um, yeah, so that's the controlled practice. Again, is when you're pretty close to a script. You know everything that's going on and nobody's going to say something random that's too difficult or challenging right now or people have agreed upon that, you know. Um, yeah, working with a scripter, agreed upon topic, agreed upon level, not too broad, the right level for you, all of that. So it should be nice and comfortable. The right kind of challenge for you. Mm -hmm. And um, so as Ben was saying, having people at your level is great because you'll get you'll, you'll both get a lot out of that. Um, but going beyond that then, you know, if you're um, trying to, open up a little bit more um we mentioned free practice and this is less controlled less scripted and often when we're doing this if we take it as practice in language learning the emphasis is more on fluency you know so literally flowing sounding natural the way you talk the way your sentences feel and communication you know just saying the right thing back and being able to ask the right questions and, you know, you're both laughing at the same things or you're able to communicate. So the emphasis is more on that stuff than having perfect grammar and pronunciation. Sometimes that's the fear that that, that scares people. Uh, we know in English, people do not speak with so-called perfect grammar, perfect pronunciation all the time. If some little blip happens, Nobody stops and storms out of the room. Um, and with something like Irish, most people are learners, really. So, um, you know, when we're chatting, there'll be the old little blip with grammar or pronunciation, and it's okay. So don't be too worried about that. Um, but you will be getting something if we, we, we don't want you to stop and consult a dictionary if you're in the middle of a conversation, you know, or to go and... Um, keep on trying to repeat a word until you say it uh, correctly because you, you break the flow of the conversation. People, you know, it's uh, it's important to have fun. So you've got license to relax, have fun, have the crack, enjoy the conversation. And then you'll be walking away with a big smile. You'll be beaming because you had uh, you had some fun a scale again. So in that free practice, people could chat about anything. Literally, it's free. So You've got to be ready for that, I suppose. Um, but they're, they're different stages, aren't they? The controlled practice. There's the mm -hmm. study stage is a different thing altogether, but mm -hmm. we're talking about speaking. So controlled practice and free practice. There's a little bit more creativity and uh, involved with that. And so when you talk about this free practice, Neil, are you talking about a scenario where a group of learners has come together and they're doing this under the understanding that that's what they're doing rather than somebody who's a learner walking into the pub um, and talking with strangers. Well, they're both 
free practice really aren't they but it, it sort of depends on how free if uh, if we can uh, <laughs> if we can measure freeness um it's not an absolute um if it's if it's a, a lesson for example uh, and everyone's the same level uh, in the group or if it's a study group um when i say free practice it might just be off script it's like okay now we're going to chat about food mm. and you just do what you can chatting about food you know but you're all on the same page but you know you, you might you've got each other to depend on and everyone knows you're all studying and if it's a class you might have the teacher there who's supporting you um or your notes um so that's free practice because there's, there's no structure there there's no particular script that you're depending on mm -hmm. um but an even freer practice um is like you say going into a pub in dingle or um any pop-up or whatever it is um and just living through the irish language you know mm -hmm. that's where it's completely open you know mm -hmm. so, um so it's you know, various gradations of these things yeah i suppose for the learner in a sense it strikes me as being a little bit like um the difference is rock climbing in terms of free climbing and having a rope and um, the one where you're in a group of learners you, you have the rope whereas if you simply walk into the pub you also have to prepare yourself for the possibility that somebody's just going to try and correct you and um, whereas in the more artificial situation everybody understands you know mm. something wasn't quite right and they have a laugh about it but in real world situations, some people can be very picky um, about these things. And does it happen a bit? Do you think I have? I've never really seen that. Oh, it does. It does happen in the deep dark and it especially happens with where dialects cross. Let's say. Um, so yeah, so it could it could happen as much to me, who's an Ulster speaker, as it would to uh, a learner from France or somewhere, because. Mm because I've used the wrong Irish, even though it is a valid dialect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I suppose it's just one of those things to be aware of um, that, that can happen. And, you know, that's as much about personalities and egos yeah. as anything else, you know. Um, the, the other thing is that uh, people from the Gaeltacht are not automatically teachers of Irish and they, they, we shouldn't assume that they're there to provide us with grammar tips or with, you know, or that they're, you know, they're just living their life through Irish. So, and the other thing to say is they don't necessarily speak what would be considered perfect grammar either. <laughs> so, course, we don't in English, you know, where I come from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't in English either. Um, so, uh, you know, they're not automatically ambassadors for the Irish language. No, indeed. Just people indeed. living their lives. Mm -hmm. um so uh, yeah if it's an if it's a learning environment then everyone will be very very supportive of course mm -hmm. um if you're if you're in the wild um if you're on location um i think most of the time it's fine really i but think you'll have a great time and you probably yeah. learn loads of things you weren't expecting to learn and uh, yeah yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> um but uh yeah just be yeah just be ready for that real life situation that's it um, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah Kathleen has a question here this was an interesting one um, and this relates to how we try to find a way other than the international pronunciation um, alphabet in terms of trying to explain the sounds um, of written Irish let's say so Kathleen Gurmagath, Kathleen is the Kesh, thanks for your question there. When I hear you speak and then see your translation, and I'd say this is based on um, some of our videos or possibly on scripts that we have on the blog um, and little bits and pieces like that. And so she says, when I hear you speak and then see your translation uh, to how it sounds in English, for me, a lot of the time, it doesn't match up. And then Kathleen gives an example. So she says, um, for example, the word thaw is shown for pronunciation as T-H-A-W. Um, I would pronounce that with the T-H sound, but that isn't how Irish is pronouncing thaw. So 
I wasn't quite clear on which language, for instance, Kathleen was referring to when she says I would pronounce that with the TH sound. Um, so I, Neil seemed to have more of a grasp of this and meaning here than, than I. So I'll let you address that there. I feel like Kathleen and I are on the same page here because um, I'm uh, I'm one Ulsterman working with, with a bunch of Munster people in Bite Size Irish. So um, I love the beautiful Gael in the Munster dialect. Um, but uh, in English, as in Irish, our, our dialects are different. I, I'm from Ulster. We have big influence from Scots. So um, one of the one of the classic jokes about the way Irish people speak English is when they say 33 and a third or something like that. We don't do that in Ulster. And, you know, um, for for something like I think, you know, which people might characterize Irish people saying, I think um, in when I was growing up in mid Ulster, it was a hink, H-I-N-K, which would they, our friends over in Scotland would do as well, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the T-H sound for you there again. But basically, um, when we try to show the pronunciation of Irish language words, when we try to write that down in a kind of transcription of the sound, it always depends on who's writing it and also on who's reading it. Um, so uh, I'm not sure where Kathleen is from, but maybe she and I are from a similar region and we would read and write things in a similar way. Mm -hmm. So this word, this verb, the most common, one of the most common words in Irish, um, I personally wouldn't write that down, T-H-A-W, myself. Mm -hmm. um, so possibly I agree with Kathleen there, but I think in, in um, my colleague's dialect of English as well as of Irish, that's what happens. So basically, when we're writing down with, with the ordinary English alphabet, the sounds of Irish, it depends so much on whatever dialect of English you have. It's really depending on English. So it's not perfect by mm. any means. Mm. And, um, you know, for that reason, the international system is the IPA. But that is very academic that's all of these a lot of them are funny symbols that most of us don't recognize based on the greek alphabet so we don't tend to use them so much so i usually think trust your ears more than your eyes because um we have audio files and bite-sized irish and good resources elsewhere like folklore and Changlin. they have plenty of audio trust your ears rather than your eyes um because if people are using the English alphabet to write out Irish sounds, it's going to be flawed because, you know, we don't, we don't pronounce English the same way. So. Okay. So I'm not going to let this go until I have a better understanding of what's going on here. Um, <laughs> is it the AW at the end or the TH at the beginning? That well, the reason I think I agree with Kathleen or I understand her is that if I see T-H-A-W, um, I would say thaw with that th sound, like mm. I think one, two, three, mm. thank you, thaw. Mm. Now that sound is not in modern Irish. Mm -hmm. So thaw, it's not thaw me, you know, nobody says that. I understand what, what, what some people do when they write this kind of T-H because it's a broad T rather than a slender T. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's ta rather than ta or something like that. Mm. Um, so uh, how, how would you pronounce this verb? <laughs> ta. Ta. Yeah, ta. but that's not the same as when, when the snow is melting. And yeah, that's, that's true. How yeah. would you distinguish between ta and ta? You know, it, it's so hard ta. to use the English alphabet. Ta. There's not a lot of a difference, I think. Tall, tall. Not a lot of difference there, and um, for me, um, for, yeah. from where, for where I'm from, it's quite. So it, tall. it depends on our dialects of English. Yeah. So you're saying te, te, te. Yeah. 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 Maybe it's yeah. because you've got a more slender sound in the middle there. Te, te. Yeah, but for, for the word in English, though, for thick as well, would, would, do the words thick and tick sound quite similar for you? 
Tick. No. No. Tick and tick. No. But tick is, is closer to a slender T anyway. Yeah, mm. so it, it gets quite confusing, folks, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so um I I would always take the, the written out um in the English alphabet pronunciations. Take any of them with a pinch of salt, you know. I think we need to listen, listen, listen every time. And personally, I, I always recommend Malam Gaspare, the website Fumana.ie. And Fumana.ie is, well, Fumana means sounds. It's about the sounds, the phonology of Irish. And it's got three columns with the three dialects, and it's got a lot of words and native speakers pronouncing these words and it makes it very clear how the dialects differ but also just how slender consonants and broad consonants sound and so on now you can read the phonetics in the ipa there the more academic stuff it looks a bit looks baffling if you're not used to it um but as ever you can read that if, if it helps you great but um always trust your ears i think so in bite-sized irish we always include audio files uh to listen to and it's it's usually munster irish of course we have a few um other dialects sometimes but generally speaking munster irish um is 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 predominant in bite-sized irish lovely gurmagat um and then so just a reminder again there folks um we welcome your questions on your biggest learning challenges um, and let me just take one more question there before we have a look at the chat so um, this one came in from um, Megan who is a bite-sized member so Megan was simply saying that she needs more practice speaking now she said that she had found someone um, who was living close to her and she was hoping to organize uh, a session, practice session with them. But she was also saying she can't make our live Tuesday night events on Bite Size. That's the BO practice. And it would be great to have a Zoom meeting or something similar to put people in breakout rooms for practice. So I understand that Megan is an Explore member. We don't have that feature at the moment um, for Explore members. But for Grow members, we do have um, Tesh Kainte and this is where members practice with other members in an informal self-led session as opposed to the scripted uh, conversations that we do on tuesdays um so uh they choose a set topic or simply have a chat and that one megan takes place on thursdays at 8 p.m irish time so you may be able to make that and who knows maybe in the future um that's something that we might be able to consider for other membership plans. But desh kind of means an opportunity to chat, an opportunity to talk. So we do have that as well. And I suppose the, the great thing about Bite Size Pub, the online community, um, which is where the people, these members and desh kind is where they've met up with each other and then now they're practicing together in the session. So if you're on Bite Size Pub, you can meet other learners and you can chat to each other and um, you know, I've seen people who realize they're in the same part of upstate New York and they think, oh, we're going to meet up for coffee and practice Irish. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. uh, the essence of community, isn't it? Actually meeting people and, and things happening organically like that. Yeah. And so that brings us on to somebody who I think does live in upstate New York, and that's Deborah, who's one of our GO members. And she sent us a lovely message for Margaret to Deborah. I think Deborah's only been learning Irish since January and she has made great progress amazing yeah fairness to her yeah so she says she has so so many challenges in learning irish but because of the bite-sized platform she can't think of any that she isn't being helped with truly so i think that's tribute um to the bits and pieces message. that you put together on a on a weekly basis neil it's very nice and mm. um, so yeah. she said Deborah. yeah she actually said girl mila mila mahagriff but i didn't have the space in the banner for all the meals so of all to wrote a Deborah. And um, so, yeah, she longer message, she lists the ways, I suppose, in which um, it helps her. So she was saying, for instance, that she'd encountered um, 
uh, form of the word Laurelin in the genitive in the, the Bio script. And it reminded her that um, there's a difference when you say Gdi or Hun, um, a noun. So two different ways of talking about going to something. So that reminded her to go back and uh, to revise that. And then she found that information in the Ashtar reference pack. Yeah, I thought that was a really great example of how to use the Ashtar reference pack because I think she said she she saw the word Laurelin library in a, in a different form, and she thought, oh, I need what? Why is that in that different form? Mm -hmm. So she went to the reference pack. She referred to the reference pack mm -hmm. and found out, oh, this is the Tishel Ginnajach, and we use it because of X Y Z, and um, you know. So that's I think that's one of the reasons she's saying we're that challenge that she she found her answer within the bite-sized platform so yeah um, that that's fantastic for us to hear um so uh, well done deborah and i hope other people too can um you know try to meet some of their challenges using our resources indeed yeah and that's the thing about the reference pack um it it gives you the different um contexts or the different situations in which uh, the genitive will arise so rather than having to try and internalize all this information um in in one go you can go back and forth as you encounter it and mm. find a reference for what's happening uh, because it comes up in different ways so she also talks about desh kainte um which we were talking i was telling megan about there as well which she finds useful and then um Cougar Mugger is another live session that takes place on a monthly basis with um, Emma. And that's where um, people read from um, a source which isn't, um, they're not told what, what they're going to be reading before they go on. So um, that's quite nice just to come to it blind and to practice reading um, right. from a source that Emma has chosen. So yeah, the Deborah. That's, that's really nice. Grant, um, so Toshe raising in the queue and son. Um, if anyone has any questions there, you're welcome to uh, just let us know. Um, I suppose uh, we we could mention a couple of the the uh, great learning challenges that we have seen ourselves. We could indeed, yeah. Um, something that's enduring but certainly from the very beginning that people find a bit baffling is what to do with all those letters in the way that irish is spelled and that's what yeah yeah so I, irish spelling and pronunciation is obviously to everyone now is so different to english um not everybody but most irish learners come from um english as the first language but well, we've got plenty of other people too um but uh, Irish spelling rules and pronunciation rules are different to other languages. So um, that can be very daunting at first. That can be quite challenging at first, of course. Um, what would you say, Ben, to someone who's struggling with that? Well, read and listen at the same time and try and make that connection um, between uh, how something looks and how it sounds. Um, and I would always say, if, if the bad news is that Irish is so different, it's quite unfamiliar. The good news is that Irish is quite consistent with the pronunciation. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm obliged to say it is more consistent than English pronunciation rules. Mm -hmm. um, but so if you see the same letters, they should sound the same way uh, in mm -hmm. a different word, usually. Um, so, yeah, it's different, but it's it's manageable. and. One of my favorite examples for people when they start out is just personal names because a lot of them are quite familiar even in the uh, Anglosphere, you know? So names like Roisin, Siobhan, Sinead um, are well known around the world. Um, um, you know, the likes of Succession had a character called Siobhan. You know, I'm not sure how she was spelling it, but well-known international names these days but they illustrate Irish language spelling and pronunciation conventions. So we've got good examples, Seamus and Sean and so on. So they will they'll help you going forward for sure. But it's a manageable topic and we've dealt with it in Bites as Irish. Apart from having uh, audio 
and pronunciation guides everywhere. We have a specific course about dealing with that too. I do indeed. And then another thing, I suppose, that as people progress, trying to um, move from foundation level to more um, intermediate and upper intermediate, um, trying to identify the stages or the steps. It's not just about learning more grammar. It's about um, being comfortable with forms. It's about learning a lot more vocabulary as you go having the means to do that, um, using your time effectively to do that. That sort of thing is another thing that people find challenging. Convincing themselves that they are making progress, I suppose, and finding ways to, to test yeah, I that. Think, I think sometimes people, find, people can see the progress a lot more in the very early weeks and maybe in the first course think, oh, I can say lots now after mm -hmm. a month or two. Um, but then they feel like there's a plateau and I'm not learning anything. But I think really what's happening is that people are becoming aware of how much there is in a language. Mm -hmm. So you are learning all the time, probably faster, but you're also more aware of the, you know, that, that, that it's a bit, it's an ocean and it's not just a pond that you're sailing on. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, not, not to put people off or say that's scary, but it's, it feels like you're not making progress at that point, but you are, if you're keeping going, you're making progress for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think that's again, where, what we've been talking about for, for much of this evening session, the opportunities for ordinary conversation are very valuable because mm. you can't not learn in a situation like that, where you're talking about actual things, um, meaningful conversations yeah 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 absolutely and of course we have a variety of different um, um cheat sheets on different things as well that are useful for people um so you find those on our blog um so our blog is here bite size irish blog so whenever neil does a new course or a new and part of a course um, as part of the launch he generally does a free cheat sheet which summarizes the major elements of that and it's nice because it's totally copyright free it's free to download and to share and to use as a as a learning resource and to send to your friends and all the rest of it um, so just one question there um, from on Mahunach Gurmagat and he says any tips for pronouncing words such as Irish or names such as O'Kerran? Um, well, I'm not sure if I got the second one. There. The DH in it, my surname has a DH in it. O'Sheel, you don't pronounce the DH usually. It's in the middle. Um, but yeah, th these are longish words, and they've got some of the complicated factors uh, of Irish spelling. So they've got vowel combinations that are not familiar, that A-O, for example, or the O-I or E-I that don't sound like they would be in English. And then the consonants, especially with the, the shave root consonants, the D-H, C-H, D, uh, and the D-H again. So um, tips for pronouncing them. Um, uh, well, a word like Eirecht is in the dictionary, so you can just look that up and hear it three times from the three different dialects. So if it's just a noun, a word, a verb like that, that's a noun itself. Eirecht meaning heritage. Um, you can find that in the dictionary. If it's a, a family name like that one, O'Kuyain, um, I'm not sure if that's... Uh, I haven't seen that spelling of a surname before. It might be related to some familiar ones like um, O'Kain. Mm. Um, if you take away the O, it's very similar to O'Kine, which is a Connemara surname, the great writer, Marcin O'Kine, and the name Coyne, C-O-Y-N-E in English, very common there. Um, if it's a family name, that you know, you can find examples of it too, if you want to be sure about that, just searching for it um, online. Uh, but yeah, don't forget the dictionary resources, Changlan and Folklore will give you normal words like that and they'll give you the sound of them you can listen in three dialects and uh, pronounce in the you know you can you can pronounce it in in your dialect of choice 
Um, and if you're interested in having a look um, at what Bite Size has to offer, or if you're wondering where you might start, if you want to either embark or go further on your Irish language journey, then here's a good place to start. Um, Start.irish. We have a little quiz there that'll help you to identify um, a good place for you to start. And of course, just in terms of incorporating Irish into your daily routine, um, we have a free ebook with 10 secrets practicing Irish every day so some good tips and um, there for keeping you motivated and keeping you on track and um, just to incorporating a little bit of Irish into your daily routine so there we have it I hope you found that useful are these some of the challenges you yourself have found when tackling Irish or is there something else you'd like to ask about do get in touch Something we mentioned during the conversation is that most of the bite-sized Irish team are from Munster. So it's mostly a Munster Irish blast that you'll get with us. But of course, I myself am from Cúig Ullu, Ulster. And one update we've been doing quite recently is adding in some more different voices to our recorded conversations in the Tusmai Beginners course. So a little bit more diversity, a little bit more real life. But of course, that's always clearly marked as well, just in case you would start to mix up the dialects. As you heard, Tusmai is just one of the self-study courses on Ashter, our online learning platform. So if you're not already a member, do go to offer.irish to get a 10% discount of monthly or annual membership and dive into all the services we provide that will help you overcome the difficulties and learn Irish. That's all from me for now. I'll be talking to you in a couple of weeks. Slam! <laughs> <laughs>